for me, it's really all about getting down to making sure that whatever is being created stays in alignment with the entrepreneur spirit. Welcome to the Corpreneur Podcast. I'm Ann Arvizu, and I'm inviting you to hop on the fast track from corporate to freedom. Freedom. Executive experience combined with the mindset of successful entrepreneurship will leave you unstoppable. Unstoppable. This content will help you become centered, open, resilient, and energized. Energized. So you can build your business, balance your life, and leave your legacy. Ready to unleash your core power? Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Ann. Welcome back. I'm excited to bring you today's guest. She is a new friend and a kindred spirit, and her name is Brandy Bernoski. She's a successful and giving connector and entrepreneur. She loves pushing the boundaries of conventional thought, and she creates practices to help align business owners with their true selves, whether it's creating a website for them or helping them with their business plan. She really leans in with some good questions, and she's going to share some of those with you today. Brandy has taken her love of theater and training as an actor and translated that into becoming a speaker and a teacher so she can share her wisdom and lessons from business and archery and all the facets of her life with others. And isn't that kind of all what we want to do? Like take the essence of who we are that nothing's wasted with and be able to then translate that out into our business and life. That's what really makes a corepreneur. Brandy always seeks to find new ways to co-create with collaborators and clients and to connect people with each other and help them dream bigger by combining insightful questioning with strategic planning. I love that. Her background includes degrees in theater, physics, philosophy, and religion from New York University and Rutgers University and graduate work in philosophy of science at UC San Diego. So we've had some really fun conversations together where we've just sat down at lunch and just oh, let's go there. This is great. It's not a lot of people that know how to put the science and the religion and the philosophy of all of it together into a conversation and be fearless with it. Brandy started as a freelance developer in 2014 before turning her business into Alchemy and AIM and then hiring a team of amazing people around her. So let's use this conversation today to help you break out of your ordinary and step into your genius. We're going to get you all the links to her website, etc., in the show notes. And I won't go into a lot more detail because in this episode, Brandy and I are going to get both high level and granular in terms of some helpful thoughts on putting a website together for your business, how you need to kind of think about that. And by the end of this episode, you'll be able to ask yourself some questions that it's taken seasoned entrepreneurs like Brandy and I years to soul search and develop. I love conversations like this because no one goes it alone. And that's the purpose of bringing together these like-minded, core-driven women into this community for you to demonstrate some practical ways of maybe thinking about things better and doing things better with less stress, as well as illustrating how women like Brandy stay strong in the harder times. I love the examples you'll hear about resilience, walking in nature, and some other really fun ways that she taps into her core power. Maybe you'll see yourself in her just a bit. I did. I hope you enjoy our show today. Hi, Brandy. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome, my friend. I'm so happy to have you. This is great. I think um, 
you and I will have to do besides this podcast, we'll have to do maybe Corpreneur TV another time because you and I have, we're not prepared to share today, but we have like very similar backgrounds. Like we could both show our books off at the same time, right? <laughs> so I, I love that uh, you have this great business, Alchemy and AIM. You know, our listeners just heard your bio and a little bit about you, but why don't you share just for a few seconds, what is it that you do? What lights you up the most? And um, what is the core of your business? Absolutely. So I started Alchemy Name really out as a website development business. I decided to leave my job at a nonprofit and I was going to be a freelance developer. And it's obviously since grown. It didn't stay what I thought it was going to be. And because it's grown, my role in the business has grown and I spend less time actually coding than I used to and more time really focusing in with the business owners and entrepreneurs I work with to help sure that we're just ensure whatever we're creating for them is really aligning to who they are. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of kind of noise and distraction and shoulds and, you know, magic pills out there Mm -hmm. in the world, especially when it comes to your business that can confuse you. And sometimes you try things that they don't fit, but they maybe linger longer than they should. And I feel like it's so much of my responsibility to really kind of get down to who are they Mm -hmm. and what are they bringing to this world and how can I help them bring that into the world through their website? So for me, it's really all about kind of like getting down to making sure that whatever is being created stays in alignment with the entrepreneur spirit. Yeah. And what they see as success for themselves as opposed to creating something that could run away with them and not really be what they want. Right. I feel that's so aligned with our core model because yes. that at the very end, at the very essence inside, that is spirit. What are you bringing to the table? What are you birthing to the world? So, in, in a way, you're kind of like a midwife for their message and you're able to try to say, okay, this is what you want to bring to the world. And this is how we can make it a visual image for them. Yeah. Do you find people come to the table and they want something and what you end up delivering is exactly what they want? Or is it this kind of a process together that you figure out the color, the fonts, all that stuff? I mean, I've been through it year after year after year. And that's one of those things that you keep changing and you keep tweaking. What's your experience with that? Because I think it's a frustration point for many people that we see something so big, yeah, doesn't quite translate when you get it to the website and or the website's really not the end all be all. So at some point we have to let it go. That's one of the things that I'm not sure if I'm resigned to it. And so many people are just so resigned to it. Talk about that because I think that would help a lot of listeners. Yeah. So I certainly think that not everything can be captured on the website. There's something about like who you are, Anne, that just Mm -hmm. is never going to be translated into code. Let's just face that. You know, it's your spirit, your brilliance, your personality is just never going to be fully mapped out on the pages of a website. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it is possible to create kind of that bridge between the world and who you are so that the world sees more of who you are through the website. Even if it's not, let's say, a website for an individual, even if it's for a company, a company certainly has a spirit and a way of being as well. Mm-hmm. I will say that there are some people who do come to me and we do deliver exactly what they want because they are so clear on who they are, that it, it just makes our work easy. In other cases, it is a, a product of co-creation. Yeah. Like kind of like digging down and 
trying different things, trying the way, you know, things look a little different. I will say I've certainly been caught up in, you know, websites myself. I think you have to find a way to really remain honest, you know, for me as the service provider, really making sure that my clients are delivering honest feedback to us so that we can get to that spot where they're in a very good, happy place. They don't just feel like they're choosing between the only options that are there, Mm -hmm. but that we're coming together to create something that really truly is what they want. Yeah. I would say the other thing is that I think it's just, we also have to recognize that what we create in one moment, we are going to evolve. Yes. And our relationship to that creation is going to evolve. And it's why, you know, you don't do one website and it's your website for the next 20 years. <laughs> so I think it's it's also that memory, like that just kind of holding that space too, that you may outgrow what you've previously created because you are stepping into something bigger as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I work with a lot of women who are really leaving their corporate jobs. We call it making the break from corporate to freedom, getting on the fast track, right? From corporate to freedom. And yes. I think uh, in one conversation a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a woman and I said, I just gave you probably $10,000 worth of advice here because if you kind of walk down this path with not going through themes and try and do it yourself and you end up spending so much more time if you don't just get it done right or create a scalable model or think, what's my one-year plan? What's my five-year plan? And yes, that might change, right? There might yep. be there might be a COVID-19 issue <laughs> that changes things, that makes you pivot, that makes you want to change things. But there still should be some kind of a foundation that you create digitally and with code that can scale and evolve with you. And I think that's been part of the frustration I've had, for example, over the past five years, 10 years, or websites going down with malware Mm -hmm. or being susceptible to things or needing to do updates or themes going and cracking and all this kind of stuff. So you just realize over time that the custom solution is kind of a better thing. Yeah. Sometimes new entrepreneurs maybe can't, maybe that's not their price point or whatever, but what advice would you give when, when somebody really wants to create some kind of an expression, but maybe they just need a business card online for now. Yeah. Yeah. And then later they need to, to kind of put everything out there. That's exactly what happens. I think for a lot of business owners, it's, it's also why I talk to a lot of people about phased approaches. So I will sometimes Mm -hmm. have new business owners coming to me and saying like, Hey, I'm just starting my business. I need a website. And usually what I tell them is that they actually need a business first. (laughs) Like they need a client before we start putting their website out there. But There's no reason not to just start with a very simple one page site and know that you can iterate on that, that you Mm -hmm. can have a a setup and a theme that's flexible so that when you're ready for page two, you've added page two Mm -hmm. and that that will sustain you for a little while. And then you're going to get to the point where you need to stop and pause and think really about what the next phase looks like. And, you know, where do you need help and support with that? Yeah, that's great. But I've sometimes sent people off just to be like, look, this is. I'm going to tell you the simple like DIY, get it up fast. And I let them know that like, this is not the investment they they need to make in their business right now is spending five, 10, $15,000 on a custom website or something like that, that actually what they really need to be doing is focusing on bringing in people, working with people and honing their business even more before they're able to really even talk about it sometimes. So Absolutely. I think people stop and they stop themselves from getting out there and 
really they're stopping themselves from, from business, from making money. Yes. I remember at one point, it was several years ago and I had left a corporate job. And that at that point I said, that's it. That's, that's my last corporate job. I'm, I'm going to go back into entrepreneurship. And when a potential client came available, I didn't have the website yet. I didn't have the team yet. I didn't even have business cards yet. I was going through a rebrand. I had a bunch of older websites that had malware and all like kind of went into this. I don't even know what it is like vortex of a loop on GoDaddy. And then just like everything stopped and they had to just delete them. So I didn't even have the text. I had nothing. So I just like starting fresh, it was get on a Word document, type up what looked like a business card, literally on a piece of paper, brought it up on stock paper, flew up, you know, to Cambridge from Florida, did a pitch, got a two, $300,000 contract. And there you go. No website required. So yes, it's important later for who you are, what you stand for, what your essence is, but it shouldn't be something that holds you back. And on the other side, it has to be something that can be used as a tool. So talk about lead magnets and how people, like if they are going to create something for themselves, how can they best position themselves in the market? And I know it depends on what they do, mm-hmm. but there are probably some hints that you could give us that are really good converting types of lead magnets or or things that you would say, hey, that's that's really necessary on a site these days, and maybe a few things that are not necessary. Yeah. So let's let's look at a little bit at lead magnets first. I, I think a lead magnet should always be connected to what your offer is. So if your offer is potentially time with you, you speaking in front of groups, you know, things like that. If you are your, your offer, then it's really crucial that the lead magnet be an experience of you. Mm-hmm. You don't want the lead magnet to be something actually that's not an experience of you Mm. because it it actually doesn't really connect and it doesn't build the trust that you want to build. So Mm. I should also like, I feel like I should clarify for people who may be listening and are like, oh, what's a lead magnet? Because I was there once myself too. Mm -hmm. So when people go on your website, if this is their first encounter with you, a lead magnet is some sort of free offer. And really what it is, it's the start of a relationship. That's how I always see it. So If you give me your name and email, I'm going to provide you with a three video meditation series or an ebook that will guide you to do something, a workbook, you know, a digital Mm -hmm. workbook that will guide you to do something or a quiz that will get you to somehow have a deeper understanding of yourself or something that you're learning about going through things like that. Mm -hmm. So those are really great lead magnets and in exchange or that information, that data, that download, whatever it is, they give you their name and email and you can start a relationship with them. It is not, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not like, Hey, I just got that info and I've never emailed them after that. Like you do have to make sure that you nurture that relationship once that relationship starts. So that's really what it's about. But I mean, I have seen, I've certainly seen bad ones. Like I think ones that fall flat are really anything these days that just feels outdated. Like wallpaper for your (laughs) or, you know, here's a DVD. I'm like, I don't even have a DVD player anymore. Like that used to be a great lead magnet for a lot of people was like, Oh, here's a, you know, we'll do a DVD for a dollar or something like that. These days, most people don't even have a CD player or a DVD player out anymore. It's gotta be timely too. So really thinking about like those people I am serving and helping, what do they need? How do they connect For some people that may be that their audience is more on their phones Mm -hmm. 
and providing them with an MP3 file would make sense or something like that. So I think it just has to be relevant to their lives and, you know, engaging mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. And then you have to follow, you've got to follow up there. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I generally see yeah. in any business is that they have heard about, like, I have to give something away for free, <laughs> but they don't do anything after they have that email in place. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time to kind of clarify where you want. I mean, that's that's the essence of funnels, right? That's where you're you're trying to take your clients down a road as they as they go in through your website, then you're bringing them in. So, when you're a brand new entrepreneur, that's not something that maybe is is on your radar. Mm-hmm. And it also really does depend on the business model. Yeah. So, for example, the example I gave earlier, that was more of a consultant business model and it's business to business, right? Yep. If it's direct to consumer, you need to nurture that consumer in a different way. So different models probably require different things. What are things that you see people put on their website or maybe work too hard at that you'd say, oh, honey, don't do that. Like, don't take that, take that off or put that down besides the wallpaper and the the 80s lead magnets. I would certainly say I'm always... I'm just very cautious when my clients want to have like some sort of digital offering, if it's a course or a membership or a subscription or something like that with actually having their list built properly first, Mm -hmm. because they can feel like they have to spend a lot of time and or money on like things like Facebook ads to build their audience when they really should be marketing to the list that they have. Yeah. So I've I've seen people kind of like jump the gun there. I mean, the other big one for me is I think about this all the time. Like, Sometimes businesses or entrepreneurs think that they have to be on like all of the social media mm-hmm. and they throw it all on their website and like follow me here and there. And I'm, I'm a big believer in doing what actually you enjoy because you're going to do it better and you're not going to spread yourself so thin. Right. That's great advice. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would also say the other biggest thing that I haven't seen on websites, especially since the start of COVID-19 and the quarantine is like, business owners not saying anything about it on their site. And not every business is affected in the same Mm -hmm. ways by it. But Mm -hmm. I think not to acknowledge something that we're going through is just strange on a website, even if it's, even if it's simple. And certainly like my business hasn't been impacted in the the same way a restaurant would be. Right. But I have seen restaurant sites that say nothing about like, are they open? Are they not open? Are they doing pickup? I don't know. And I certainly, I didn't update my website per se, but I made sure to reach out to my clients to let them know just for, you know, to see where they needed support during this time. So I just, I think that's kind of like just thinking about like what's going on and Mm -hmm. what are the times you need to actually say something and address something more fully rather than just not update your site. I think it's just a general problem I've seen people run into is that they think they've built their site and now they're done and they don't ever have to update it. And that can cause a lot of confusion for your audience and for the people you're trying to serve. Right. I hope our listeners right now, I just want to interject that what you're giving are, are such good pearls of wisdom, of knowledge, of what goes on behind the scenes for websites and what you think of. And I hope that people understand that this is really good information so far. And even what you just touched on was as you continually update your site, even if it's a blog post, or if it's like you said, just change some of the wording right on the front, add a little extra banner that 
just talks about what's going on now. I mean, to be honest, I haven't done that. And I think it's great. I think it's something that we're definitely going to do probably after this call because it makes sense that if, if a lot of people just, I don't know why I just got a little surge of people looking at my website when you have that capability to look at who's looking Mm -hmm. and who's downloading your stuff. And, and I didn't say anything to them. And part of what is going on this year is we're all experiencing a major shift in business, which takes us really to the second part of this show is switching gears from thank you for giving our listeners a little education, not just on what you do, but you really gave some some good, good nuggets like we talked about. But how about you as an entrepreneur? We have been nose to the ground, pedal to the metal, mm-hmm. it seems like since January. I know that I haven't had a day off literally since December. Yeah. And I know that you're in that place too. And we've been on calls together, et cetera. And how have you ramped up? How have you changed? Have you had a pivot? Has there been a change in your business? And what have you needed to really tap into? Or what questions have you asked yourself about your business? Yeah. So I I won't say that there's been necessarily a big pivot yet. I have felt a pivot coming. And Mm -hmm. it's not even, you know, a pivot for me is not necessarily like a big change in the business itself, but it's in a change in how I do the business. And it's really kind of come down to me to the question of, well, how how am I giving my genius to this world? Mm -hmm. Who am I? And how do I better align my business with who I am? Mm -hmm. And what do I want for myself long-term? Not just in terms of like, trips and money and things like that but just like what do what do I want my days to be and I think it's very it's just a good practice to do on a regular basis like you even if you do that as you're creating the business you kind of have to constantly check in because things will run away you know with you a little bit you know you'll get a big project and you'll find yourself working you know from 6 a.m until midnight and yeah that's a temporary situation unless you allow it to become the norm and so I've, I've really been spending some time lately, just kind of very much focusing in on who are those clients that I love working with? Mm-hmm. How can I attract and work with more clients like that? And how do I want to work with them too? Cause that's, that is, it shifted for me from the beginning when I was just coding for people to where I was doing more strategy with people to where I'm being asked to really partner with some of my clients now and really help them build their businesses. Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of feel like I'm on this trajectory to like the next phase of what this is going to potentially look like and exploring that structure. And also like asking myself, who do I need in the business with me to support me as I do these things, as I step into new roles and new responsibilities and in different ways with clients, I partner with them and things like that. Like who else needs to be around me in my business, in my life? Where do I need support and, and guidance? Right. So that's really what I've been kind of crafting lately. It's kind of feels like, I, th- I feel like those are questions that so many of us are asking right now, being in a time that's a very stressful time, even if things haven't changed significantly for people, I think everyone is feeling a very kind of collective stress of the unknowing yep. um, things. And yeah, so that's, you know, kind of for me, it's like focusing towards the future and what do I want this all to be in the end? Like, what's the legacy I want to leave? It's not overwork and exhaustion. That's for sure. Yes. 
<laughs> have you been stuck in that place before? Have you been in that place of overwork, overwhelm, exhaustion? Absolutely. Yeah. I have found myself in sometimes cyclical patterns where things will get like really crazy. They, they kind of like come to a breaking point for me in order for me to, to make the change. I think like, like the universe does that to me, like here's your breaking point. So you know <laughs> what the next shift and change is. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I have been in the past few months in that kind of this next, you know, quote unquote breaking point of like, I'm seeing more clearly now what needs to, to be different going forward. Right. Right. I was on a conversation with another woman entrepreneur, very similar to us last week. And we both agreed, you know, we were tapping into these things that you're talking about as well. We were, we were saying, you know, what do I want my business to look like? Mm -hmm. Because what, how do I want to feel in it? You know, these deeper questions that when either for, for many people, many people are making a major shift in their business. And then for others, it's kind of status quo with their client work, but still it's like, am I happy? Is this what I want it to look like long-term? Do I really want to scale? I, I talked with another entrepreneur friend a couple of years ago. This is a guy and he had a very similar company to mine. We were showing, you know, at a trade show and we both had our booths set up and our people at the booths and I was hanging out with him. And he said, you know, I scaled my business from like two people to five people, then to like 16 people. And I think at the time I had about nine on my team and we were talking about scaling and going to the next level. And he said, at one point when I went to 16, and then we went to like, I think it was at around 20. He said to himself, am I any happier now? Than when the team was smaller, just because our revenue dollars gross are higher, but I still have to then have more team. So it's a bigger initiative and there's, there's a lot more. What's your team look like? Cause you kind of mentioned that. Who do I want around yeah. supporting me? Who do I want around? Like team is a big issue for a lot of people and they don't know when to branch out and create that right team. So for, for new entrepreneurs, I get a lot of questions about that. And I've learned to take my time, hire yes. very, very slowly, cautiously. I've learned to, if I'm going to find four or five people at the same time that do the same thing, I give them all like the same task and I see what they come up with. And even if I spent a little bit more money on that, because I got one video edited four different ways, but I see the style that I like better. Yep. And then it's going to save me so much time later. You know, and then also when people are not, when people are not performing the way you want them to or supporting you the way you Mm -hmm. want them to or need them to, it's okay to kind of let people go. And it's also in a time like this, I don't want to let certain people go. So, you know, fighting for them and getting that PPP so I don't have to use our, our cash reserves or there's so many team issues. So what are, what are some of them for you? So I have currently a team of around 14. I swear, I never remember exactly where it's at. And I've certainly done the exercise where, you know, I've experimented what it would look like to 10X or even 3X my business. And I've had that moment too, where I was like, if I scaled the existing business I had, just even 3X it, I actually don't want that business at 3X. Mm -hmm. I'm very intentional about that. I got very clear on that was actually not the business I wanted because I think it's actually going back to the question of what do I want my business to look like? It's even more important for you to ask yourself first, what do I want my life to look like? And then ask how does the picture of your business support that so that they're connected and you know, you're not 
creating a picture of your business that actually doesn't support the life you really do want. And that's kind of what I found with team. Like I started small. I hired one person who was an in-house like admin assistant for me first. Mm-hmm. And then I hired two developers. I each gave them a project. One did not work out. One did work out and was with me yeah. for two, three years, something like that. And that's always, I'm, I'm a very like slow to hire. The process sometimes mm-hmm. takes me a while. And I always, even once I've hired someone, I start them with a project. And it just gives us an opportunity to get to know each other and see if the style is right. And you don't get too far down the path with people before realizing it's wrong. And if you do realize that it's wrong, you don't wait too long. Mm-hmm. There are certainly times where I've had to wait like a month or two just because of whatever timing might happen to make changes to my team. But I mean, I, I kind of feel like I'm sort of in the sweet spot with like a number of team members. I don't really want to grow anything beyond 15, mm-hmm. at least not within this business, because it's kind of, it's just kind of the nature of the business and how we need to work with clients and things like that. So I'm totally with you on the slow hiring. That's, you know, just taking your time and really also nurturing the hires that you make and everyone needs things reinforced. Like even my whole team, I'm, I'm developing something right now to like reinforce the vision I have with them. Not because they don't get it. They're very in it with me and devoted to what we're creating together. But just because I've kind of realigned my vision and I want them to be part of it and to re-enroll them in what's possible for all of us together. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I love these just phrases that are coming up, which are worth so much for entrepreneurs and for an executive and anybody yeah. in business that needs to hire people, really hire smart, or are you going to manage tough? Yeah. Right. That's a book from a long time ago. And, you know, when, when we were just talking, I just wrote down slow to hire, fast to fire. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a phrase, but I just came up with it. There might even be, but it's really so true. It saves us so much time. Like the two developers that you talked about, it saves us so much time aggravation. And we don't really want to get into that area where they manage tough. A couple of my mentors were saying, you know, Hey, why don't you use this person who's already on my team for X, Y, and Z? And I, I said, no, yeah. because I know their personality and that personality is not going to be able to do that. Or I know that they're more reactive, not proactive. And I would like to create that in there, but if they're not a leader or if they're a coach, that's a very different thing. So I, I will put them on the right seat of the right bus, right? Cause you're not, you're, you're not going to be a bus driver unless you are the driver. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you're a passenger, then, then you need to be on that seat too. And that's okay the world would be weird if we had all leaders and, and no followers. Oh, right? and, and it's important to be both a leader and follower at different times. Like, yes, yes. There are times that I do need to step up and lead. And then there are other situations in my life where it's okay to let someone else lead. And there's no problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where you want to be. Yeah. You want to have your staff so good at what they do that they tell you eventually, and you can just, you, you let go of the reins and, you know, I just ask, Hey, what's going on here? And once a week, let's just check in with the finances and let's do this and let's do that. And it magically appears and happens or setting up some kind of a new thing, like uh, launching a podcast, for example, Mm -hmm. that takes a process and that takes time and that takes patience. So it's not that, Oh, you're not the right person for this, or I'm not the right person for this. It's, we will work this out together as we move into this new model. And 
And then like constant checkpoints. So this is some great stuff today for our listeners. It's funny because when we start businesses, I'm a pharmacist and I really love being an entrepreneur. I love being a pharmacist too. And so 20 years of my career has been in medical affairs, in the pharmaceutical industry. And you, you know, we have very different backgrounds, but you started off like in theater and philosophy and religion. You have all these degrees, but then you moved into web design and learning code. And how did, how did that happen? How did the transition happen? Unexpectedly, certainly. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting because in my mind, there's this link between it, everything. Like I started out in theater. I had been studying physics and math at the same time. Theater's origins are in religion. So I ended up somehow taking classes in religion, which then led me to Mm. more classes in religion, which led me to philosophy. Mm -hmm. And once I realized I wasn't actually religious enough to attend a seminary, (laughs) as fascinating as, you know, studying it was, it made sense to look at philosophy of science. Mm -hmm. And it happens to be as I was doing my, well, I was in my, the PhD program that I was in, I was Mm -hmm. writing a blog, just a lifestyle blog, but I was teaching myself to code my blog and then went on, took a job at a nonprofit. I was doing earth science education for NASA through that nonprofit and still coding for friends. And just had that moment where I realized I wanted to, to take a bigger leap in my life and figured I had the skill. People come to me, they find me and ask me to do this and why not give it a shot. So Mm -hmm. again, it's not anything I went to school for directly, but actually with my background, like in my physics classes, I was coding in, in certain ways. And it just kind of, you know, in my blog, I was coding. And so here I, I am. And it's, like I said, it's definitely evolved. Yeah. But there has been this kind of like unexpected thread through it all that looking back, I'm like, Oh, of course, of course it was just one thing led to the next. It just wasn't a logical path that, you know, no, not many people would take a path quite like that. Right. You can't write that out in your journal and be like, here's what I'm going to do. And here's where it's going to be. Yeah. That's not a (laughs) 17 year old or like, here are the things I'm going to tackle. You kind of always think at that age that you're just going, I was going into theater. I was going to be an actor and you know, it didn't work out that way. And I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. You know, there's that game on, I think it's Facebook words with friends. So you just did coding for friends instead and you liked it and then decided, oh, this is a business and this is actually lucrative and I could do this and I actually like it. So is that the next step? What happened after that? Because I mean, you run a very successful business. You have high level clients. If people don't know that, I don't know if you want to mention any of their names, but if you do, that's, that's absolutely fine because you've been able to create this exclusive business with 15 employees and and you know where you want it to stop and where you want it to go and you kind of know how you want it to evolve to make you happy and lit up. So what was the space in between from coding for friends and and where you are now? How did that evolve and and tell us about a time when it wasn't so great? Oh yeah. <laughs> that you had to that you had to kind of tap into something else too. Oh, absolutely. To really get resilient or go through maybe you had a really hard time. I I will say so at first, it, I never thought I was a business owner when I first started my business. I didn't understand it as that. I was just going to be a freelance developer. Boom, done. Freelance developer. Cool. <laughs> and everyone thought I was crazy for leaving the job that I was leaving. I had you know, health insurance and a good salary and good benefits and things like that. 
And it was actually about a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half after leaving my job that I was really just, I, I was really busy with clients, but I found myself kind of really deeply depressed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking that I had to do something entirely different. Like that's just kind of what it came back to over and over again in my head. It's like, I have to find that thing I'm meant to do. It's out there somewhere. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> yep. And ended up finding one particular business coach who was offering, she was actually offering not a business strategy piece, but she was offering more of kind of a very soulful piece of just like, how are you in the world? And it really shifted my perspective. And I emerged from that time in that program, realizing that you don't always need to change what you do. Sometimes you need to change how you do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you legitimately do need to change the what of what you're doing as well. But for me, seeing that I could just like I was in a place because it was my business that I could reinvent a little bit. And I could step into something else. And I'm still like that for me has been something that's really taking me into the future is just these kind of like mini reinventions that like the what of the business doesn't have to change, but how I'm doing the business has substantially changed and how I continue to do the business still changes because I mean, if five years ago, I wasn't having conversations with clients about who are they and what do they really want in the world while I was building their websites. I was just building their websites. That's, you know, these questions have become really integral to my process now because I see it as something that goes beyond a functioning website. Mm -hmm. I see it as part of their bigger picture and like, how am I freeing them up and how am I helping them connect to who they are and what that message is that they have to give to the world. So, and I will say like having the right support around me during that time, Mm -hmm. even though my parents didn't understand exactly what I was going through, just having my parents, having this new community of other entrepreneurs, yep, some of whom were just starting out, but really being able to connect and have people who had experienced it and had gone through it just started giving me a real sense of having the strength to, to get through everything. Like, and that's something that has really, really grown for me as I've continued in my business and in my journey. It's kind of funny. I, I was meeting with a friend last October and telling her about a really difficult time I was going through then and my reaction to it. And she said to me, she's like, have you had like years of therapy? Because most people do not have resilience like this. I said to her, I'm like, look, I'm like, I've gotten through some really crazy things with my business. I can get through this. Yeah. Like I have been through, you know, losing my mother. I have been through people stealing from me in the business. Like I have been through things in my life and I'm stronger because of them. And like, I know I can get through it and I know there's a way through and it may not be the way through I, I expect but it all refines me in the end and I can bring more of myself to the world because of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much of what you're saying, which is really teaching us to, you know, we're all going to have problems. We're all going to have issues and we, we all fall prey mentally to circumstances, but eventually we need to be reminded of and remind ourselves of who we really are in our core. And 
as you know, you've had a lot of studies and studied a philosophy and all that, like I have, there's science and data to back up what we're saying here. I've spent the last 11 years studying clinical effects of burnout, the psychology of happiness, transformation principles, techniques behind leadership and coaching. And, you know, you're talking about the questions you ask yourself, which is self-coaching. You're talking about community and the people around you that may or may not understand, but at least their support. Mm-hmm. And and you're talking about a lot of loss. I've also lost my mom and my dad. I've lost, um, you know, I think we had some of this conversation when we were together having lunch in Miami. And these these things that we lose, things get stolen from us. I mean, I, stuff stolen right off my website, stuff stolen yeah. right from my programs. It's like, get a, get a clue and then go get a real idea. Like get your own idea. There's so many ideas. And there's this amazing body, mind, spirit connection in all of us where these tangible and intangible parts of ourselves meet and align. And when that happens, which is really what you're illustrating, that's when we become an unstoppable force. Yeah. So that's why I think you're such a great example of someone who's going through this crisis right now and you're, you're pretty steady in it, right? Yeah. You have the balance there. You have opportunity to keep on keeping on if you will. Right. It's, it's like, okay, well take a day off when needed, but, but keep going. So how do you rest? And that'll be our last kind of question to wrap up. So give, give our listeners just a little, you know, because we are both those types of entrepreneurs that go, 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 and don't stop. Yeah. I can tell that it's about both of us. Off. We're very similar. It is hard to turn off. How do we have to dial it back and rest so that we have more of ourselves yeah. to get out there? So for me, there's two things that are, well, I'm going to say there's three things that are really, really crucial. One is totally getting away from my computer and getting out into nature and going for a walk, hiking, biking, something like that. That's something my boyfriend and I like do together a lot. But getting away from technology is so important for me because I will, you know, if I'm sitting in front of a TV watching a movie, I'm probably my laptop's on my lap and I might be like, you know, cleaning up some emails. Mm. So getting outdoors at that time in nature for me too, is just so rejuvenating. It just, you know, yes. reconnects you to this bigger picture and to this beauty and it's so sensory too. So for me, it's just that getting away from computer, being out in the world and nature is really, really lovely. Mm -hmm. I agree. A good, not a business book, but like (laughs) one book, like there are some great fiction writers out there. And I, I will totally admit my guilty pleasure right now. I am like in love with young adult sci-fi. And it's, it's a little strange. I'm like, I am, I will be 40 this year and I love young adult sci-fi and mainly it it has to do with the fact that there is this, you know, I mean, these dream worlds, you know, it's like Harry Potter, like you go into this other world and the characters are so full of hope, Mm. you know, they're, they're so full of, I could do it. Yeah. It's that thing. It's that grit. It's that, you know, they haven't been trampled on by the world. So I really love young adult sci-fi. And really for me, it's a lot of kind of like that, that lose me in this other world sort of feeling so that it brings me back to this one and going, Oh, but there's so much more here that I don't see. Yeah. For me, it's like Marvel comic films, like the same thing. Like I can find myself right there in, in Captain Marvel when she's getting knocked down and getting back up and getting knocked down and getting back up. And then she says, you know, 
I'm taking this like that little handicap that she had on the back of her neck. Mm-hmm. This is off me. What would it look like if I really unleash? And you get so much like, wow, where where am I going with this? Right. Yep. This is so good. It reminds us of this deep inner power that we all have. And that's our core power. I love that. That's a perfect way to end. And Brandy Bernoski, uh, I wish you much success and we will talk very soon. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me here, Anne. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave me a rating and review. If you are ready to make your move to entrepreneurial freedom and success, success. then take action now. Head over to my website, anarvizu.com, and get our most requested free download. Your 10-step corporate to freedom checklist is a transformational self-assessment tool that will help you visualize and create a life and business you truly deserve. Until next time, stay centered, open, resilient, and energized. energized.